Well, thank you for doing this. Yeah, for sure. I've been trying to do something like this for a while. Oh yeah, actually. <laughs> What's uh how 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 has that been going? <laughs> um, long, drawn out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just long and drawn out. I've been talking with Tony Ortega for a while. And right. yeah, just a lot of just remembering things and then trying to remember them more specifically and uh, then writing it all down. It's a lot harder than I expected it to be sometimes. Yeah, I definitely, definitely feel you on that one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. How long have you been out? So, all right. So when I was 17, I got cleared, declared PTS type B. Okay. Um, because I got uh, a DUI. So that, that technically counted as a criminal record. Mm -hmm. So that was like the beginning of me starting to get out. I was still super gung-ho at the time. I was just causing trouble, I guess. And so I did a program and at CC because I didn't like the org that I was at. I started at Orange County org to do this in, in uh, Tustin, California yep. to do a program, to do a program. And it ended up taking two years of my life trying to like get this type B off of me. And at that point I just realized, okay, like they just don't want me around. Yeah. Straight up. So I was like, all right, fine. So then I started like hanging out with people that weren't Scientologists and making friends other places and uh that's when i started really like kind of waking up to how weird my life had been compared to other people and how much i didn't know about shit <laughs> yeah tell me about it man tell me about it now you were okay so now you are a rybacking and and yeah. and that, that's not an infamous name in scientology but it's one of many families that sure. are kind of in scientology and it's yeah. funny how you go around, you know, I was, okay, so first off, actually, just real fast. So were you ever staff or Sea Org? Yes, both. Well, I was okay. EPF, but I was definitely staff. Got it. At Orange County? At Orange County, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So the what you find when you go around, and I worked out of Los Angeles in the Sea Org, right, from 95 to 2012. And, and mm hmm I said, damn. Yeah, yeah, 17 years, man. <laughs> and eight years on staff before that at Santa Barbara. Do you know, do you know Todd Miracle? Oh, yeah. Is he still? That's my brother. He was here, yeah. Is he, he still was... in? Nah, dude. He's, he's living in Vegas. Oh, yeah. good. Oh, good. Because he was a good guy. But he's not like out, out, though, either. Okay. You know? He's still, I, still yeah, in. He's, de he's defected. Okay. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm glad he. I'm glad he got out because he was. He worked in the Wise office. Yeah, Wise Inn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then he moved up to Wise Inn. Yeah, yeah. And he married that girl Rose. Yep. Rose. She was. Uh, she was CLO in, dude. She had some huge, crazy post. I remember just like how like much presence she had over me at one point in time. You know, just like. The thing that is the most crazy to me is how much power certain people had over me and I had given to them when they walked in the room, which is like 
so weird, just weird to think about. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like I was born thinking that an OT basically had like superpowers. So when there was an OT in the room, like I was like, Oh my God, this person does everything that I'm thinking, everything that I'm doing. They're in complete control over all their dynamics, including me in this room. That was what, that feeling was what like really pushed me out because I was scared. That was fear. I was living in fear and I didn't know that, you know, I remember not doing things just because I would have to get it off in session. Yep. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do shit ever, you know, cause I knew I had to go in session, bro. That's right. Like that is the thing that people won't understand unless they've been through some sort of like a cult type mass, like a uh, program and, thing you know yeah that's right and then and that's what made me become a little bit more aware of myself just that feeling and like diving into like what is that like what if i tested that a little bit yeah does it really know what i'm thinking or not so i dove into that and then i re- when i finally realized like no that's when sessions started getting really easy <laughs> I re- yeah. Everything just got super easy for me until I like somebody found out that I was smoking weed or something. And and then I don't know what happened. I just kind of just drifted away and no, and they left the type B on me. And then I had this uh, cousin who was in the sewer who randomly like hit me up like five or six years ago and was like, yo, I got that type B lifted off of you. Just FYI, you're in good standing now. I was like, what? So I'm, I'm in good standing now, but I'm really, when it's when they find out that I've been talking to other people, which they're going to find out soon, I'm not going to be in good standing. Like my parents already know that I've been talking to Tony Ortega and my dad took it as like his son died. My brother, Justin did a story with Tony Ortega and my dad basically considers him dead because wow. of that. Wow. And, and when I made a GoFundMe and my dad, when my dad saw the GoFundMe, he said, it's like, I lost two sons that level of brainwash is crazy to me. Cause I know he believes that, you know what I mean? Yep. And his heart hearts, bro. Like to him, he's like, damn, what are they doing to the bridge, bro? Like they're throwing it away. That's right. That, man. I don't know what to say about that. You know, it's that's kind of, I mean, isn't it kind of like, I mean, I don't know what your experience is. You know, you ever meet like hardcore Catholics? Or like yeah. hardcore, like evangelical Christians, you know, like the Bible thumping, you know, like yeah. like they, it's the same kind of thing with them. Like if you leave Catholicism, if you leave Christianity, you start talking about other things. They're like, oh my God, you're going to burn in hell forever and damn fire and damnation. And you know what I mean? You ever seen that? Um, Honestly, I haven't really seen too much of that ah. specifically Catholicism. But I have in other religions, um, for sure, in other religions, like LDS, Latter-day Saints. Yep. In that, yep. And then, it's like, like they disown you. It's like you don't, you're not part of the family anymore. It's like, you don't, you're, it's like the connection's just not even there anymore. And you're like, dude, you're my dad. You're my mom. Like, what are you doing? What is this? You know? Right. But then, and then I also realized, like, oh, well, they're also just a person just like me. That's right. You know? That's the part of them that's, that's disconnected. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they're stuck in it because I have a kid. He's almost three months now, and I couldn't imagine treating him the way that I was treated growing up. I couldn't imagine that. Like that blows my mind, dude. Yeah. But 
I, I know better now, though. You know, see, and I feel like, you know, I don't really know how it is for someone and what was really going on in my parents' life that drew them to Scientology. Some, 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 some kind of trauma, some sort of abandonment issues, that I think, because it's, it's the group that they like. You know, they like yeah. the group. They like the people that they're with. They all are interested in the same things. But um, I could go on forever. I don't even know exactly. Well, let me ask you some questions, man, because I want to I got all kinds of questions for you here about this, because I want to basically I've interviewed over the years a lot of people who used to be Scientologists. Okay. Okay. And I've done podcasts. I've done long, multi-part interviews with people and we break it all down. And and we don't necessarily have to do it in that format with you today. I'm just saying I've done a lot of these interviews and I've always called them the Scientology experience. Because this is my first one. Yeah, that's right. And so, so I don't know, you know, I don't know how much we're going to cover with you today, but I, you know, I want to know about you. I want to know about your experience with it. You grew up around it. I want to know all that stuff, you know what I mean? And people, yeah, people are interested in that. I was uh, born in Belleville, Michigan. Um, I had a natural birth. I was in a trailer. My parents were already Scientologists. They had met at the Ann Arbor org. And they were going on some training mission somewhere to like maybe LA, I forget, to Detroit or they were going to maybe a higher org in Detroit. And that's where they met, like on the caravan. And uh, they had four kids and we're all like pretty close in age. Um, can you, but they t- were- can I, if I can interrupt, I'll just, I'll just throw random questions at you from time to time. About uh, when, about when was it that they met? Uh... See, 80, probably 85. Okay, cool. Just to give a time to it. 85. That was the year I got into Scientology, like officially. Started doing, I actually started doing classes, you know. Uh, So they were both staff and they met on staff. Okay. And and, uh, they had us. um, I got uh, two younger sisters and an older brother from my dad. And my mom had two kids from a previous marriage before she was with my dad. So I have a stepsister, or sorry, half-sister who's older and a half-brother who's way older. They're in like their early 40s now. Um, and Todd, that's Todd Merkel. He's my half-brother. Yep. Who you know for sure. I'm going to tell him about this. He's going to trip. Me and Todd are, like talk about this all the time, but we don't get to talk much. But when we do, it's a lot, you know. We're just t- we just talk about our past and our history and how trippy everything is, dude. Yeah. Anyway, so then uh, my parent, my dad, I forget what he was doing at the time financially. I really can't. I was too young to remember, but all of a sudden he started making more money. I knew that we moved from a trailer to a big ass house in uh, Whitmore Lake in uh, Wayne County. Do you know why it was he started making a lot more money? He started doing this like consulting, like marketing things for uh, dental offices, this like strategy. Ah. And he, did, he invented like his own like way to do it and get more customers through marketing. And he used, I think, I think he used a lot of things like in Scientology, like the study technology and wise stuff, right. statistics graphs and conditions and put it all together like his way, I guess. And uh, I guess it worked. Yeah, business consultants can make bank. That's for sure. And <laughs> and in the 80s, especially 80s and 90s, 
Scientologists, and this is just for the audience to know, right? There were Scientologists who uh, would get licensed by the Church of Scientology International, right, in order to be what were called wise consultants. And wise is not just the word wise, it stands for something. It's World Institute of Scientology Enterprises. And it's actually a unit inside the church whose job is to get Scientology policy and administrative procedures exported to secular businesses, usually run by Scientologists or by people who are not yet Scientologists, but this is a way to introduce them to Scientology and get them going. And this was the number one way that the Church of Scientology in Orange County in Tustin, the place you ended up at, this is how that org grew to be one of the largest organizations on planet Earth for Scientology at that time. And they became like the first org to become St. Hill size, quote unquote, because of this, because of this business consultation, get people into Scientology. They had a whole thing worked out. So it sounds like your dad was doing something similar or or hit on this somehow and and started making some money. Yeah, he did. I remember one year he made over 375 grand doing it. I remember him telling me that. Yeah. So I I, I know that whatever he's figured out, he's definitely, it's a numbers game though. And well, it's I, funny that he ended up in Orange County. How do you, how do you, how'd you guys go from Michigan to, to OC? He got a good job, started making more money and he wanted to be closer to LA org. And there's just more Scientology over there. He wow. wanted us to be raised up, raised up over there. Cool. But, but yeah. I mean, Orange County was chill, but it's a little too hype for me. Everyone's, just running around too fast for me you know? <laughs> in Scientology. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Even not in Scientology, man. Like I like uh, LA. I'm done with LA. I can handle the, I'm a city rat, but put me in the suburbs. I start to feel weird. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. I grew up in LA. I, I grew up in Pasadena. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I total city guy. I, I, I can't. I, yeah. I started in Ann Arbor running around Ann Arbor michigan yeah and i started running around la when i was like nine (laughs) just like me man because i because my parents got in in the 70s so i grew up at pasadena mission before it even became an order for sure right so i think i think same same right we grew up around it you know you hear all the Uh, language uh, a lot in tahanga yeah Yeah. Uh, that's bucks there's a starbucks all the scientologists hang out at right there I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, I do. I do know what okay. you're talking about. Tahanga is where all the rich Scientologists live. That's like, like in LA, they're all there in Tahanga. Yeah, I grew up over in Pasadena because we weren't rich. We were okay. we were pretty poor, actually. I mean, we were not, well, not poor, but we were we were lower middle class. Let's put it that way. Yeah, we we grew up in Tustin Meadows, but we call it Tustin Ghettos. <laughs> but it really wasn't ghetto, though, bro. It really wasn't. But. Right wasn't living it up like uh what's that girl's name man kelly kelly not kelly the the actress i was a f- she 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 was in look who's talking i i hung out with her kid. oh kirstie alley kirstie alley yeah 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 her nothing like her house bro i ended up at her house one day not knowing that 
I was at her house. I just, I just ended up in this weird caravan of Scientologists hanging out. I was hanging out with my dad. He lives in Clearwater and they recognized one of my sisters. They recognized my last name. They're like, Oh, you're Brooks brother. So automatically I was in, but I've, I've been out of Scientology for a while, but these kids were rich, dude, like way richer than me. They had the nicest cars. I don't know. They ended up like taking me back to their house and like, I was chilling. I found out they were Christy Ellie's kids, Lily and True Parker. I uh, probably have to add out, but what was that it, last? I said we, I'm, we might have to edit that out because I just said their names. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'll. I'll th- yeah, I'll, I might. I might take. I mean, if we're talking about her kids, everybody knows who her kids are. Oh, they do. Okay. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's public record. She's got kids. Um, okay, cool. But whatever, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll think about that. But, um, okay. but damn. So, okay. So you were kind of bouncing around in LA. Like, when did you guys go from Detroit to LA? How old were you? I was nine. Okay, and so this was what in the early nineties. Yes, I was ninety-five. I was nine in ninety-five. Okay, <clears throat> so so the same year I'm joining the Sea Org. Yeah, you guys are coming I'm, out to LA, yeah, Orange County. Yeah. Okay. So, I uh, was also, I had a really bad learning disability. I couldn't read. I, I couldn't read all the way until I was like 11 or 12. Wow. I wow. know I must've been, I must've been 10, 10 or just turning 11. Cause I couldn't read when I moved out here. So they put me in like tutoring, mm-hmm. private tutoring. But as soon as I could learn how to read by age 11, I joined the Seward. <laughs> wow, man. <laughs> 11 years old. So what, 1997, you're joining the Sea Org? 98. It was 98. 98. God damn. In PAC? Yeah, yeah PAC race. Wow. So we pro- you probably ran right past me a couple times. Yeah, I probably, probably literally did. I was supposed to be going to CMO. That's okay. how they recruited me. And they use like policies like basically like that show that indicate that CMO is supposed to be ran by kids. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, think about that now it's so weird like hey we got this policy we got this whole department and this organization that's supposed to be run by kids here that's so gnarly (laughs) yes it is i mean i i gotta tell you you know when you're in it and i have spent years explaining this to people right and trying to break it down and trying to make it make sense but there are times when like when we're like you and me are sitting here talking about this where it is so twilight zone it's so sure. weird that we ever thought that that was normal, you know? Well, that's all I knew. Yeah, me too. That was super normal, but there was always this, like, feeling inside of me that knew something was off, bro. It was fuck. Like, I just knew something was off. And I could never quite place it, but I, it always sat with me. And the older I've be, uh, gotten, I've realized that feeling was because it was off. Big time. Uh, and it was wrong, and it wasn't me. No. It wasn't. I mean, it was. It was because of, like, the type of person that I am. I just naturally, like, resisted. Yeah, it so was- what happened? So you're 11 years old. So you, so your parents are okay with you going off. You sign a they billion-year contract. First. They weren't at first, but um, I became such a good reg for myself. I just was just like, you guys don't care about the world. I'm going to be clearing the planet, man. I'm going to have this badass job in CMO, and you guys are going to degrade me because of my age? Come on, you know. 
Okay, so okay, so back up a second. How did you get to that place as an eleven year old? Where they they were recruiting you, but what were they telling you that you were? They were telling me that I'm going to be in basically an adult now. I'm going to be in CMO. I'm going to have one of the most high uh, ranks in the organization, and I'm going to have uh, it's going to be confidential. Right. And so they put me on the EPF, and then they're going to put me on the CMO EPF. And then I was going to be CMO into their little into their little crowd. Wow! All right, now I'm let's let's go ahead and my- let's go ahead and clarify for everybody what the CMO is because it's a little okay. weird. It's not just an organization of a bunch of kids. I mean, there are mostly adults Adult. there, right? But there are. I'm sorry. Mostly female. Yes, mostly girls. That's right, and women. Um, in fact. The, the 17 years that I was in the Sea Org, I think there was one, maybe two years where CMO was run by a man. The rest okay. of the time I was there, it was women running it. And different women, you know, there, there was power changes and stuff. But um, And there were always young women in the group. And I think that mostly had to do with the qualifications because you couldn't have had any you know, ethics, history, you can, which means no drinking, no drugs, no sex, no underage sex, none of that. You couldn't have anything like that. And it turned out in Los Angeles, especially, it was girls that were fitting those qualifications more than boys. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's why uh, I was a perfect recruit at age 11. Exactly. I had it. Yeah. Exactly. And that's why they go for the young ones. And, yeah. and it, and, and, Okay, now, 11 years old. Now, a lot of people are listening to this and thinking that that is insane because it is insane. But sure. how do Scientologists, you want to, I'd, I'd like to hear how you, how do you explain how that was made okay in the world of Scientology? Because you're taught that you're a spiritual being. So, like, you put that mindset before everything else and everything you do is to help you as a spirit um, become more in control of yourself and less effective others in the environment. And anything, any decision that you make is to help that greater good at all times. And if you don't do that, then you're showing that you're not really as dedicated as you say you are. If you're not letting your kid join the sewer. And if you argue with it, then it's like, well, then you're, you're a fraud Scientologist. Why would you want to stop anyone from being in the sewer, no matter what their age age is just a consideration is what's thrown around the Scientology uh, social network a lot. You know, when someone says something about age, there's a lot of people that date like 19 year olds to 21 year olds, or even up to like 23 year olds that will date 14, 15, 16 year old girls. I haven't seen one 19 year old with a 13 year old and they were having sex because her boyfriend CSW and her parents and their parents said, yeah, right. Could you imagine? Whoa. CSW, your girlfriend's parents to have sex with her when he's 19 and she was 13. Whoa. Bro, I, I some, some scandal. Dude, my, my dad's business partner, when I was 15, had sex with my girlfriend when she was drunk when we were in Mexico one time, when she was 15. He was 38. And then they ended up having a, a six-month-long affair. Dude, oh, my God. They ended up having a six-month-long affair um, back in the States after we got back. And her... Uh, hit the, so this dude's fiance was one of my mom's best friends too, and and people found out about it because this dude's roommate what uh, was uh, dating the sister of the wife of the ED Orange County Org, 
So he told his roommate, his roommate told the, told the chick and the chick told the sister who told the ED, I get in, I'm in the DSA office at the time. I'm the DIDAO. I get in and Aunt, the, Andrea, this girl, we, uh, she was the PR. So I get in, she's crying. And she has like these stacks of KR. She's like, I've been fucking your girlfriend for six months. I'm 15, dog. Christine, uh, Christina was 15 years old. Wow. I mean, for sure. This dude is 38. Bro, no, they put, they brushed it under the rug. Did in they? The real world, yeah, they covered the it up? World, yeah, in the real world, when that stuff happens, the DA will pick up on a case like that. Oh, yeah. No, they, oh, yeah. He got, he, he got threatened, threatened with, or maybe got a PTS type B for a very short amount of time. If he did, it was only for a couple months. And he was already had his OT preps paid for it. So this guy's already so, clear? Oh, yeah. He's got his OT preps paid for it. Yeah, yeah. he's already clear. His parents so, are, are known OTs. Okay, so now let's okay, so let's just do a little compare and contrast here for a second, right? Because okay. you we started this talking about you getting a type B declared. Now let's now 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 this is an internal church thing, okay? So yeah. the church has, for those of you listening to this, right? The church has its own internal justice system. And yeah. it's a snitch culture, right? So yeah. these reports that Shane's talking about, this is um, reports that are written by Scientologists on other Scientologists, because you're always watching other Scientologists, and writing reports to this section of the church called the ethics section. And they pile up these reports, and they keep files on everybody, and they investigate people, and they've got methods for this. Hubbard was really into thinking he was all about spycraft and shit and he would and he laid out this whole snitching system and all Scientologists all over the world follow this thing. This is how Scientology's run. And this is how bad deeds come up, right? So you go into Scientology, you become a Scientologist, you start doing the services, you become part of the culture, you make friends, you know, you meet the staff, et cetera, et cetera. And you start interacting with people, and then they start noticing things in your life that maybe are against Scientology codes, or, you know, you're breaking the rules. Well, they're going to write you up. You're going to write them up if you see them uh -huh. doing stuff, right? And uh. it becomes this sort of crazy power play thing, because there's power in knowledge and writing people up and getting them in trouble for shit. So, so this is how Scientology culture works all over the place. But then... You get these crazy situations like this one where you get drunk, get pulled over, have now a quote-unquote criminal record, and you get a type B declare that sticks for two years. Right? Oh, it's stuck, it's stuck for uh, eight years. Eight years. Okay. This guy, 35 years old. 38. Statu 38 years old, statutory rape with a 15-year-old. There's no question about it, right? It's underage. It's completely not okay. There's no way she could have legally consented to that. And he gets a slap on the wrist? Like, what's up with this? Now, I'm, I'm thinking what I think the reason is, but what do you think the difference is between you and that guy? Uh, I think I'm just more looked at as like a, a flap or a security risk. Um, in general, I don't have any money. Bingo. I don't have any money to me. Bingo. There it is. I don't have parents that are going to support me the way his parents support him. That's right. That's exactly his right. Or his parents were OT7s and OT8s. You know? Wow, man.
Wow. And, order, and he he has to be clean because in order for them to uphold their their uh, persona, they have to be uh, have nothing on all eight dynamics to be in whatever level of OT that they're in. They have to be clean in all dynamics. So that means their son has to be clean. They had to, he has to be clean. And everybody else just had to ignore it because it was being handled by the church. You know, this opens up a whole can of worms about how the church covers shit up. Now, I have talked all about cover-ups in the church. And yeah. every single person I've ever interviewed or talked to just about yeah. has had some kind of story like this where Scientology screwed him over some way like this. Sure, you want to know something else real fast? Yeah, yeah. My parents invited, I guess it was really technically wasn't my parents. My little sister got married two years ago and they invited this dude and his wife to the wedding where I was. That's crazy, wow. right? Yeah. Okay, so I I didn't realize that the that the business partner in this guy was a was was a staff member at the org. So they got triple layer reasons to cover this up and not let everybody know about it. Cuz he yeah. would cuz all of the people he had ever audited, all of the people he ever interacted with, the fact that he was OT, the fact his parents are OT, I mean there is so much damage control being done here by covering this up. Now, you worked in the DSA office while this was happening? Yeah, bro. It came straight to our desk. Oh, okay. Now, the DSA... Okay, DSA is legal. Okay, so DSA yeah. is Director of Special Affairs, Office of Special Affairs. So this is the legal division. So this stuff's coming straight to you. You're the assistant to the DSA. Yeah. I would not, so I was the deputy information data and analysis officer. Okay, that's what that meant. Okay, so your job was to get all these reports and kind of file them and stuff. But yeah, file them and stuff. Yep. There yeah. you go. Okay, you were kind of doing clerical, administrative kind of work. Yeah, making sure people were upholding by their legal policies in the church. Smoke detectors being there, write them on a fire shooter things. Take what, the fire extinguishers. Yeah, yeah. You know, just, Legal routines, you know? Right, right, or, right. Uh, on tech stuff. All right, so let's get the story out here from beginning to end, because I am I am infinitely curious about this. So you walk into uh, the org one day. How long had you... This is prior to you going into the Sea Org, right? Yeah, so... Okay, um, so how long have you been there? Uh, I was in the Sea Org for three months. No, no, on staff. Oh, uh, I was on staff for a year and a half. Okay, and then from staff, you joined the Sea Org. No, 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 no. Oh, it was the other way around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. it's usually the other way around. Okay, okay. So you didn't make it on the EPF. Yeah, exactly. And I got I got to use the, the card basically that I was 11 years old when I CSW for staff because I was technically ex-ESA. Right. So then they took away my, yeah. I was 11, bro. They took away my label. They're like, this is a joke. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Marvin. My recruiter was Kenneth Doherty and Tiber McCormick. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah, I remember. I knew everybody in Pac Man, especially back then. Tiber, Tiber McCormick, and Kenneth Doherty were my recruiters. Okay. When I was eleven, dude. Yeah, they were desperate, man. They would let me smoke cigarettes too. Plus, I thought it was cool to smoke cigarettes for some reason when I was eleven. I don't know, man. It must have been the way how they raised us, like adults, like. I started smoking like hard, like a pack a day almost at 11. Damn. Damn, that's a new one. I haven't heard that one. Yeah, I mean, kids smoke young. I started by 12, I was drinking. 
drinking beers. Yeah, just like regular. Yeah. Wow. Man. Wow, man. That's 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 new. That's new on me because I, I, uh, as a Sea Org member, <laughs> you know, I go into the orgs from time to time. Yeah. From you know during this time, right during the time you're talking about, I'd go down to the orgs, but I was never paying attention to the children. They okay. weren't on my radar at all. I mean, this underage drinking and smoking—not even—I I never even saw it. Wow. Uh, that there was a lot of that going on. Yeah, a I'll lot. Bet. At least between us staff kids. I mean, we also thought we were like adults. We were beings, like. We're spiritual beings. Like, why, why stop us from doing whatever we want? Like, whatever we wanted to. We weren't hurting anybody. We weren't doing drugs. Alcohol wasn't considered a, a drug, so you could drink and pretty much get away with it if you could, if you don't do dumb shit. Wow, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go back to the story. So, tell. So, walk me through it beginning to end. How this thing went down. Um, which thing? The with the the, oh, the, okay. the thing with the with your girlfriend. Okay. So. This is the first, and this is just me remembering. I remember Christina, I was, I'd already broken up with her. I'd already broken up with Christina when I found out and I was already seeing somebody else at the time that I found out. It'd been like a full year had passed before they told anybody. And I remember Christina was driving me to her, her dad's house. Cause I, I was friends with her dad still. <laughs> and uh, she was, she pulled over the car and she was like, Hey Shane, I need to tell you something. I was like, all right. It would be like eight months since we broke up. So I was like, what do you need to tell me? She was like, when me were in Mexico, I was like, yeah. She's like, we went to a gay bar. And I was like, okay, so she's like, never mind. And then she kept driving. But now thinking back, I realized she was trying to tell me right there what happened. And then she like bailed out last minute. And so a couple of days later, I show up at work and uh, Andrea Clark is in my office. She's not allowed in our office because our office is confidential and the PR side, that's public side. So I remember thinking like, what the fuck are you doing in my office? You know, our office, just because I had that rank thing too going on. And I was like, and she was crying. And then she wanted to talk to me. And I was like, me and Andrea didn't even like each other. <laughs> so I was like, all right, why is crying Andrea here trying to talk to me right now? This is what, what world does this happen? She's like, she had like this stack full of KRs and papers and things that shouldn't be and just like all sorts of shit from all sorts of people. It was like a lot, dog. It was a flap. Wow. <laughs> and so this thing had blown up. Amongst people, yeah, amongst executives. Amongst executives. And I remember her just being like, I'm so sorry. But I remember thinking like, man, like I knew there was something wrong already me and Christina stopped having any intercourse for six months. And I don't even know why I just no longer wanted to like, I was no longer interested in her that way. So I just naturally stopped. Even I checked out. I didn't even, it was, it was weird how that, how that happened. But anyways, I ended up breaking up with her or whatever. I was seeing somebody else. So I didn't care when I got the news, obviously it didn't really affect me that much, but it was big time because it affected everybody else. And this dude broke the law in a serious way that if it got out the D that's a case that the state would pick up mm -hmm. on themselves because they defend, you know, they're supposed to be defending the people that are defenseless mm -hmm. and that would be considered one. Um, so then uh, I was basically, of course, told to keep it hush. So, so yeah. So you get, so what happens to him? Like how, what, like, okay. So you guys get all these reports. What does the DSA do? 
what happens here? She says, this is fucking bullshit. Of course, uh, is a fucking pig. If it was me, I would fucking fry his ass. But he's on his OT preps and all this shit. And there's all these people involved. And like you said, there's so much going on. It's uh, He has to handle this at AO. He had to go to AO and handle it with them. And talk with the uh, international justice people. Because he was on OT preps. So this was like an advanced org problem. And so we were told, you know, of course, to just do our job and keep our fucking mouths shut because everything that we talk about is confidential in the DSA network. And we're our own network. So, like, we're, we're executives at the same level as the ED in our org board. Yep. Um, anyway, so we kept, we kept it quiet. And I never thought anything of it. You know, and this was something – this was normal to me. This right. was like a normal – every day I was so cynical. And we used to talk about that in the DSA office, how cynical we are. We're just like – Cause all we do is deal with flaps. That's our main job is deal with flaps and, and follow people. My job, I, I followed people when I was 15 years old. That was part of my job. They trained me as a, with a private investigator for three days when I, before I went on my first mission. Okay. You have uh, got to break this down for me. What are uh, you talking about? You're 15 years old dude. and you're following people. What? Yeah, bro. Dude. Uh, so it's for what? what were you following people for? They were, as far as I know, because everything is need to know. I remember we got a picture of them. We were told where they were going to be. We all have Nextels. So I remember we show up to the cafe. This was in San Francisco uh, for, it was either for a comic convention or a grand opening of San Francisco org. It was for either one of those. We were there for both. And so we were running security on watching these two. It was a older, like a, late late 50s dude and late 50s like wife and i think they were known protest organizers so uh, that's what i think i really don't know i just remember watching them and being honestly like really fucking bored because i'm sitting in this cafe for like three four hours and i remember just thinking like damn these people are boring as fuck <laughs> do something man but uh then when they moved we just told them where they went and then they uh, told us to come back to wherever the main group was at that time. And then they had me follow other people that were going to the comic con convention, passing out flyers that had like OT data on it. Okay. They, got it. And who are they, who are they, who are they that, that, that are telling you who to, who to, who to follow? Osa, Osa. Okay. So people, people, Sea Org members, Osa, or your senior from or so when I went on a mission, I went with my senior pretty much always, except for one other time. Yeah, uh, everybody is seared when we get there. Okay. So directly, we're a network, and our direct, our direct seniors are seared members, just like how the ED's seniors are seared members. Yeah. It's the same exact thing. Okay. So, like, so, so your Orange County staff, though, you're down in Southern California. What are you doing up in San Francisco? Well, I'm DSA, so we, we our networks are all integrated together. So we went to help out that DSA network with uh, security. Got it. They were have enough staff, yeah. Okay, and 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 this was because of a lack of personnel then. Yeah, and it was either the grand opening because we were at, we've done a few different missions out there. One was for a comic convention, and then one was for the grand opening of the San Francisco org, where Cob was there actually. Right. I got to. See him. I, I didn't talk to him, but I got to see him, and I, I that's when I learned that he smoked cigarettes. I, and I, I was told like to keep that like 
on that's a PR flap. Like, don't say anything about that. Like, all right. I thought it was cool. I was like, hell yeah, COB smokes cigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does. I never even thought about it. You're right. It's not a public knowledge thing, but yeah, he totally smokes, just like he drinks. Yeah. Drinks a lot. See, I, I didn't know that he drank. Yeah, none of us I did. Really, none of us did. He I, only did that he only did that crap when he was back at the int base. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I only I, I was pretty much in my own little world. I never messed with COB that much. I just was in my own little like bubble in Scientology. Trying to, I, I wish I could name some names. Well, I did name some names, so you kind of know. How, okay, how long, remind me again, how long did you work in the DSA office? I worked in the DSA office for about, about a good year. About a year. And how many of these missions or projects were you going on? Um, probably like close to seven like missions and then projects we do every single day. So I can explain real fast what my yeah. average day would be as Come a day. Okay. So I would get, uh, my senior would pick me up at around like four in the morning and we'd go to all of the paper newspaper, um, presses or printers and get the first uh, copy that came out before it got sent to everywhere. Uh, then we would grab a coffee, of course, go to the office and we would take our highlighters and look through all the newspapers and highlight every word that says Scientology, if it's in there. And then we would come back um, with a knife or scissors and cut out the article that it was talking about. And then we would post that on poster board. Once I'm done with that, we go to the courthouse and we have a list of names and files to, to pull. And we just go get those names and files pulled. We take them back and then we bring them back and we put it in a file to go to wherever it's supposed to go. And, uh, and then we send it out. Um, and then from there, after that, it's about lunchtime. I have lunch and I get back from lunch and I have like a, a sheet of legal rudiments that need to be conducted for the building. Everything has to be up to code. So I walk around the building and I get with uh, whoever's hat that is that runs these things. It's boring stuff, man. No, <laughs> really I get it. Is, you know? And then I go around and I make sure everyone's legal rudiments are in in each division. And then basically uh, all the legal rudiments means it's a Scientology term, but all it really means is you're going around and making sure the law is being complied with when it comes to how many fire extinguishers and, you know, the building code and all that crap. So you guys don't get sideswiped by an inspection or something. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, and then other than that, you know, whatever little flaps come and handle our way, I'm, I pretty much just do as I'm told. Right. And I'm not told very much of each situation that occurs. I'm only told all that I need to know to, to be a part of so I can do something. Yeah. Compartmentalization very, of information. Yeah. And I wouldn't even dare to ask. I remember one time I asked a question and my senior looked at me and she was like, don't ever fucking ask questions like that again ever and i was like damn all right for sure dude wow like this is not a place you ask questions yeah they even gave me a number with the fbi agent if i ever got in trouble for me to call this prison wait a minute wait wait, hang on an fbi agent yeah they gave me a card with a with a name of an fbi agent on it and they said if i was ever out on a mission i got in trouble i could call this person what yeah for sure that happened. Did you ever have to call him? Nah, never. 
Did they say anything else about who this FBI agent was? That is very unusual. No, they didn't. Uh, this is really the one of the first times I've re remembered about that. Yeah, that's a very interesting sure. piece of information. For sure, for sure. Like, was the I and I want to be clear. Was the I? What was your understanding? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. If you're in legal trouble, if you're out on one of these things and something bad happens, you call yeah. this guy and he's gonna fix it. More or less, I, it's like I mean those words fix it weren't used but if it was if i got in trouble interesting yeah. an fbi yeah. agent yeah damn man that's actually that's actually pretty interesting right for sure did they ever did you, in the year you were there was there ever either any other comment or statement or order or anything you ever heard out of the dsa's mouth or anybody else about the fbi or the federal government no. Just that. No. Just that, yeah. Wow. That was, um, yeah, other than that, they're pretty stuck on their own organization. Yeah, no, for sure. They're very internalized and they and they very and as we've gone over, they like to keep things quiet. So that's yeah. a that's fascinating that you would get that name and number, you know? I mean at the time I was just like, Hell yeah, I got help if I ever got in trouble. Right. I never thought anything. I really never thought that too much into it. Really until right now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a, I mean, to have an FBI agent at your beck and call or, you know, to, to have, to have somebody like that at a level, I mean, that's, that's a lot of power, you know, an FBI sure. agent is not a cop. An FBI agent is right. a federal agent, you know? Right. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's kind of some heavy weight to, to help you out For if you run sure. into trouble. For sure. Well, I mean, if you think about what I was doing, you know, it's kind of along the same, uh, same lines of what you would think that organization does too. Yeah, exactly. So you're, so you're what, 15, 16 years old, like this San Francisco thing. I, I, I got to ask a little bit more about that. Cause you were following somebody at Comic-Con. Yeah, they were at Comic-Con and I guess they had, this is just knowledge I've gathered just through watching my own observations of shit and sure. stuff. I saw that uh, they were like, protest organizers and they were coming down there with uh ot material that they were giving out um i don't know what scientology i think maybe scientology was promoting like battlefield earth or something and they must have had like uh, a booth there and so they're this is like i said this is not based off my own memory and they were passing out flyers or they were the ones who organized the protests of the people that are passing out flyers and then at one point once i was done surveilling them we went back to Comic-Con and they just asked me to go and keep taking flyers. So I just like took flyers as many as I could and then threw them away. Got I was, like, it. <laughs> Did you ever read them? No, dude, no way. No. <laughs> right. Right. Go get those pieces of paper <laughs> and throw them away and they're evil and you better not yeah. read it. <laughs> oh, dude, I was scared to read it. I was like, damn, don't, I had to face down to the ground. I was like, don't accidentally see that shit. You could die. That's right. I, I could at any moment. That's right. I that see, I, I say this stuff, and I, I I wonder sometimes if people actually believe me, which is why it's so it's so nice to hear it from your mouth, you know? <laughs> oh, dude, I believe that, like, my arms would just snap, and I would just start breaking in half. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy, man. I believe was, that. Yeah. And 
Uh, so yeah, no, I didn't read any of those flyers. I just threw them away. And then uh, after that, after the protesters left, we just like hung around, you know, and chilled for a little bit and went back to our hotel and then did whatever we had to do for that day as a debrief or something and then go back home and then debrief at home and then uh, get briefed again. I don't know. <laughs> oh, whatever else you were going to do. What other yeah. kind of, you said you went on about seven of these things. You want to, what other things did you do? Um, okay. What other things did we do? We, we would go down to like, other people's orgs like we went down to like the san diego org to help them out with uh some case where they were like following somebody maybe it was somebody that blew i don't know but they were trying to find somebody so they would send us out to find people we did like a facility member blue maybe or something so i did a few of those where we were just driving around literally asking like have you seen this person and trying to track them down type deals um oh man and then uh it was pretty much stuff like that. I was just working with so many different people. Sometimes I didn't even really know what I was doing. <laughs> well, that's what's so, I was about to comment on that. It's so interesting. You're looking for a person, you don't even know why. You know, yeah. you just got to find them. I mean. Yeah, yeah, I just know that I trust the church, but everything. So if they say something, it's obviously for the greatest good. Right. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing it. Duh, I'm a Scientologist, bro. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow well what okay so you get off you know you got these random things you these projects missions you're going out on um it's funny to me that they called them missions too because missions is a sea org thing so it's really funny to me that they use that that language within the the dsa network yeah well the dsa they consider themselves like elite as fuck yeah well, i'll bet they do of course they yeah. do yeah. Way, way over hco oh yeah no it's all status it's all status yeah 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 all right. Well, that's interesting. So, how come only a year? What happened? How'd you how'd you end up? Uh... I uh, I got kicked out. I was found out to be not qualified because I I well, after I learned how to read, I read a can of air duster, um, and I inhaled it because it said inhale and abuse is uh, illegal. So I was like, oh shit, that means I can get you high. I was like twelve years old, so I inhaled it. And so I inhaled that thing a couple more times and I got high off it. And I wrote that up in one of my OWs when I was in the network. We just had to do like, everyone gets sex checked at like all these certain times. So I like, I got sex checked and I got that off as an over. And uh, some, someone in the DSA network was like, oh, so he's what's called a revert now. We can't take reverts. Even though I wasn't a revert, I was the first time I ever tried anything. Right. Uh, you know, I was just growing up really. And just trying shit out and just doing shit. And that and it's funny because that's how they label it. Like they assume if you're a second generation Scientologist right. like you, you're born into it, and then you go do drugs ever for any reason, you drug reverted. You you went to drugs after becoming a Scientologist. And there that's what people don't understand is like, nah, it's not like that at all for me. I didn't there I had nothing to go back to. I was going to something else. Right. I was already over here. I was super. I went to all Scientology schools. Oh, did you? You didn't go to public yeah, schools? Yeah, I graduated from the California Ranch School. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I've I've interviewed a couple of people who uh, were in Mojave, uh, out in uh, New Mexico. That's where they send the cadets. Yeah, a lot of cadets. Yeah, for sure. And then I was uh, threatened. Uh -huh. I was threatened with it. Wow. 
Were yeah. you, you, do you know Nathan Rich? Mm, rich. Might've been a different time. Might've been a different time, yeah. Yeah, because there was a long history with that ranch. And uh, I think Nathan was at the ranch too. Anyway, yeah, wild times, man. Yeah, for sure. Wow, uh, I was, wow. So, yeah. oh, so you were entirely educated at Scientology schools. Yeah, I went to, uh, I was also an applied scholastics child tutor. So when I was 13, we went to Africa and the Gambia and we taught the whole country. We were invited by the president of the Gambia. And we taught their whole school, this whole school system, applied scholastics technology. And they were the first country to ever have every government agency using applied scholastics technology to teach their nation. Damn, you went to Africa for that? Yeah, bro. And I, I was there to teach the, because some of the kids, the life for the adults was like from 14 to like 25 was like the, the, the uh, age group range there. It was like real small. So they needed young people to relate with the younger adults. Huh. Because they adults, yeah. So I went there and I helped everyone understand the curriculum. I taught them about the misunderstood word. I taught them about the lack of mass and two steeper gradient and what the manifestations were. And I showed them how to do a clay demo and, and things like that. Huh. <laughs> Just the basics of Hubbard's study methodology. Yeah. yeah, for sure. How did you end up that on that? You went from the DSA office to that? No, I that was before DSA office. Oh, that was before. Oh, okay. That was before. Damn, yeah. you have had an interesting life, dude. Yeah, for sure. We went to Thailand and did the same thing. That was the first time we did it. We went to Thailand and then we did it and went to Africa. Um, my mom, she's like a super hardcore Scientologist, like activist lady, bro. You know what I mean? She's just like creating stuff and groups all the time and putting shit together. You know how those people are. Oh, yeah, so I do. Her and her friend, her friend uh, was was John Travolta's kid's tutor. That's that was my mom's best friend. Okay. So they they start groups because that's just kind of the crowd that they're in. And they're always just like super social and like changing the world at all times. So they invented a group called the International Freedom Corps. And it was a full of them and their kids, us. And they had their kids come and my mom had us come and we had just taught because we that's all we knew was Scientology. So it's easy for us. And it was perfect to teach a 13 year old teacher with a 13 year old uh, coach. Right. Wow. Right. For sure. Huh. How long were you how long were you in Taiwan and then how long in Africa? How long did that take to do that work? We were in Thailand for maybe twenty one days, but I want to say we were in Gambia for like six or seven weeks probably. Wow. We did we did like five hundred people a day sometimes. Jam. And th and this was with your mom? This is with my mom. My dad was not a part of it. Okay. But you're at, le at least you were with your mom. Yeah, I was with my mom. Yeah, for sure. That part wasn't really that bad at yeah. all. Yeah. Part. No, I mean, teaching people yeah. about, you know, looking up words in a dictionary, there's nothing particularly wrong yeah. with that. The only, the only problem with Scientology is they say that's the only thing wrong with study, and that's it, bullshit, you know? Right. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot more going on in life than that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And in the classroom. Wow. So, okay. Wow, man. International traveler. DSA yeah. spy, ah. <laughs> you know, uh, drunk driver. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of, 
you got a lot of uh, interesting things here. So, so when, so then what? Like, okay, so then you basically get the black mark on your record from this DUI, and then after all this work you've done, after all this support you've given to the church, as a kid, they just throw you to the curb. Is that? Am I getting that right? Yeah. So, like, but I was also like hanging out with high profile kids. Mm-hmm. So I was causing flaps in people's worlds that I shouldn't be causing flaps in because I'm fucking with their kids. Oh, is that what they told you? That's what happened. That's what happened. Know, okay. I just know that's what happened. And they were like blaming me for like someone trying weed now. This person's been drinking and Shane's always been there at the middle of everything is what they're trying to say. Like whenever someone's doing something wrong, I just always happen to be there. So they used me as the common denominator and they're like, well, we're going to make him the source of this. And they're like, you know, basically you control everybody. That's what I was told. And I was like, really? I control all you motherfuckers. All right. Wow. <laughs> so you were the scapegoat basically. Oh, for sure, dude. I'm always the scapegoat, dude. Wow. Wow, man. Uh, So, okay, so you tried, because, okay, but you're grazed with this shit. So when they hit you with this, and they're like, okay, you're a criminal now. You're the the reason. Was there a plan of how to become a good Scientologist again, or was it just get the hell out of here? After I spent two years doing programs... Um, and then after the last one I completed, I went to a field group uh, by a lady named Chris Farmer. She has the infield group in Anderson, Indiana, along and with Judy Nagengast. And they both have this field group and she audits and she CSs. Okay. And uh, so I went out there and she takes a lot of cases that the that are people that aren't in good standing with the church because she's a field group and she can accept anybody. So I went to her with my type B. I did about a year's worth of like auditing. Like she did all sorts of crazy shit on me. I forget the name of it. ARC, ARC straight wire. Uh, the Ned, she ran new aerodynamics on me. Man, cytology drug rundown, genetics drug rundown. I think there's both of those are separate. I think. Yep. Uh, uh, did you the, do your grades? The interior, the, the eight rundowns. Oh yeah. Ran- yeah, yeah, for when you supposedly have an out-of-body experience. I have, but never in Scientology. Oh, interesting. I have had out-of-body experience, but it wasn't like anything anyone's ever described to me. I didn't see myself anywhere. I just knew I was just like flying around, and that was enough. that's a whole another story for another time. Sure. <laughs> no, fair, fair enough. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you go out to this lady, you get a bunch of auditing, she ethics you, audits you, does all this and Scientology. She has her own reputation. Uh-huh. So she even puts together her little pretty pack and was like, I fixed them. Here, go upper management. Check this out. So then they're like, nah, someone from my past who knew me as a kid looked at the file was like, nah, basically fuck Shane, still fuck this kid. And she was like, damn, this girl has it out for you. She would gave me, she gave me a list of references. What she decided before she was going to send my liability condition that I needed to read these, this and that and all this crap. And uh, so that's when I was like, you know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to go do my own shit. I'm not going to f- spend any more time trying to fight to be a part of a group that doesn't want me to be there. Exactly. Especially after yeah. two years. So that's how I started defecting. And then I started basically just trying to find out like what truth is real. Like what is real? And, you know, that I'm still on that journey. 
Same. Hey, it's it's the journey for the rest of your life, man. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm on the same yeah. road. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Wow, man. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, okay, so at this point, how long has it been since you spoke with your parents? All right, so very recently, my mom just came back to my life in the past year because uh, we have our kid. So while my fiance was pregnant, she started communicating with us. Um, really? So, yeah. So after how long? Time, how long had it been? Seven, eight years. Oh, of nothing. Yeah, nothing. Wow. It, Christmas um, cards? Huh? Christmas cards? Anything? Uh. Uh-uh, uh. Absolutely zero communication. Wow. But then the baby comes, and then your mom reaches out. My mom reached out a little bit because her her uh, husband passed. Her, her her husband that she remarried. Oh, your stepfather. Of- yeah. Oh, I didn't realize they got right. They got divorced. Okay. Both, both of them remarried. Got it. Uh, this happened like almost ten years ago. So really, I got back in communication with my mom after her recent husband passed because I felt really bad for her because I know my mom hasn't really experienced any serious loss like that. So I like hit her up and I was just, just trying to like mend things with us a little bit. And I told her I was sorry for, you know, just like, I don't know, maybe coming across in a way she didn't understand and it being hurtful, but those are my intentions and That's things cool. like that. That's cool. Um, yeah. So I sent her a letter like that and then she responded like, thank you so much. That actually helped more than you even knew, blah, blah, blah. So then we had some dialogue and then it just kind of grew from there. And then we started doing a little bit of FaceTime with my girlfriend and like another one of the siblings in the room. And then uh, when the baby was born, we did some FaceTimes and uh, my sister also just had a baby. So with the babies and everything was good. But as soon as I posted that GoFundMe, they all stopped talking to me. Not one word deleted off Facebook. My dad says, you're dead to me. Basically he's crying, drinking booze like, yeah, I'm over here, like, uh, I don't know, considered to be, like, destroying something sacred in life is how I'm, I'm supposed to feel, how I'm supposed to feel. But I don't feel that way anymore because I know it's not true. It's some bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Wow, man. All because of a GoFundMe. Now, I'm going to put a link to it when we post this thing. Okay. What, uh, what, what's the deal? Uh, basically, so right now, my current situation – I was driving a truck for a, a little bit and this uh, we were picking up compost. And so we have a lot of accounts with restaurants around town. Of course, COVID hit. All the restaurants around here got shut down. So basically, I'm driving a truck all day with nothing to pick up. Mm. So they were just like, yeah, I knew it was coming because I, uh, my routes were getting like two hours just to do the route. And I was getting like four hours a day just driving the empty trucks around. So I, I got furloughed and then I got laid off. And so I've been on unemployment through the state, which was fine for a while because I was awarded $104 a week. But if I at least made $100, then I qualified for the extra stimulus that they gave for the unemployment. So everything was fine. I was getting just about, I was just about breaking even for a while. Um, then they took the uh, unemployment benefits away. So now I'm at 100 a week. And so that's where that's at. Um, so okay. I, uh, I've been just kind of finding little things here and there to make money. Got it. Um, but a truck broke down and that's okay. what I use. So right now, um, for right now, yeah, my truck's broken down and, um, my unemployment is very little. So 
That's, Got it. Yeah. And got, why were I, your? I haven't read your your GoFundMe. Why are your parents so pissed about it? Do you talk about Scientology in there? Yeah, I do. Okay, yeah. got yeah, it. I go into so I've been I've been diagnosed with bipolar, and I go into a little bit about uh, needing medicine and what it's like when I'm in a bipolar uh, fit and the cause of that. Got it. Got it. And your parents are still pretty anti-psych because of the Scientology stuff. 100 anti-psych. They think that the reason that I would ever talk about this is because I'm on psych drugs. And that's what they're telling people. Okay. Yeah, pretty sad, man. That's pretty sad. They don't acknowledge mental health. No, they they want to shut psychiatry down and destroy it. For sure. Wow. So you've been having to live with that. Yeah, dude, and a yeah, newborn. So they're all excited about the newborn, but then the psychiatry they, stuff comes up and they pull the plug. Yeah, man, that's sure. very sad. That's very sad. How? How? Where are your parents? Uh, okay, well, okay. So the divorced, remarried. Did they remarry yeah. Scientologists? Uh, yes. Okay, and uh, well, because it's funny because my parents got out. Or sort of got out, but they they didn't really officially get out at all. They just sort of were fading, you know, okay. kind of going under the radar a little bit. And not really even talking trash about it. I mean, sometimes a little bit of stuff to me, but not too much, right? They were still Scientologists. And then they got divorced. And then they both remarried non-Scientologists. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah. And I knew I knew something was up at that point, right? Because that happened when I was in the Sea Org. Oh, wow, well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I call that defecting. Yeah. You know, people, they just get out nice and easy, and they're like, fuck this, I'm just, I'm out. Yeah. They just kind of stroll out. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That so I, I defected in that way, and then uh, met a lot of people that that were real spiritual, Yep. That I, at least that I thought were real spiritual, and we just kind of connected up. Like my fiance, she's real spiritual. She's done thirteen ayahuasca ceremonies. I don't know if you've heard of ayahuasca. Yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's spiritual. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man, that's cool. Cool. Well, like I said, the road to truth, man. You know, it's a whatever. It goes lots of different places. You know, for sure. And no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm- we just don't want to, I, you know, and I don't even mind, you know, some of the stuff in Scientology might even be kind of interesting in some ways. I'm not talking about the OT crap, but, you know, some of the stuff is, is, you know, it can be a little useful here and there, but they just blow it so out of proportion. It just makes it ridiculous, you know? Well, the thing, here's where, like, I went wrong is as soon as I learned how to read, all I wanted to read was the R&D balls. Oh, and I read to them all the time, bro. I just sat up at night reading the R&D balls. And he talks about some trippy-ass shit, bro. <laughs> yes, he does. Some trippy-ass shit, dude. Like, shit that, like, I, I, like, fell asleep listening to lectures here at my house. And I know my fiance thought I was a little crazy, probably, because I was listening to LRH lectures in my sleep, bro, right? Wow. I ended up having, like, a, a, a psychosis, a mom, a moments of psychosis from listening to it too much i could see how that could happen i could see Dude, that bro, he gets into this one lecture called the world of earth i don't know if you've ever heard that lecture oh yeah yeah, oh, dude, yeah. that those lectures start they can like throw me into straight psychosis at, at my age now dude i started thinking like 
weird shit's going on, you know? Yeah, that's where, that, and that's, the role of Earth, by the way, for people out there, is a lecture that has never officially been released by the Church of Scientology. It is uh, recorded at such poor quality, it sounds like Hubbard's literally talking out of a bathroom or something. I mean, it's... <laughs> R&D vols. Yeah, so. but it's in the R&D vols. And the R&D vols that Shane's referring to, for, for everybody out there, are the research and discovery series of books that Scientology has published, and all they are is the tape transcripts, the lecture transcripts from the very first lecture Hubbard ever gave on Dianetics forward in time, chronologically. And they go through every lecture that they have a transcript for and they put it up there, even the ones where the lectures were too poor quality to be released as a lecture on a CD or on a tape. They have the transcript for it. So there's some trip-ass shit in there that serves as some of the claims Hubbard makes. And, yeah. and this lecture you're referring to, for the public out there, right, the role the role of Earth. What's the, jo- what's the role of Earth? What is Earth's position in the solar system, in the universe? How do alien creatures and species think about Earth? And Hubbard lays down some Matrix-level shit in that lecture. I mean, cray-cray stuff, right? Real science fiction stuff. And uh, you can find it in the R&D vols. You can probably find transcripts of it online somewhere if you Google it. What's that? You can find it on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. Okay, good. So I I remember I read that when I was like 12 years old. And I was like, dude, I just like, I just remember being hit with so much knowledge. I was like, bro, I know so much right now. Oh, you and me both, man. You and me I both. Knew about, I was like, I know all about the Marcap civilization, dude. <laughs> God, this is lit. I know about Sorry. the people on the moon, the Galactic, uh, the Galactic Federation. I know about the fifth invader force. Yeah, all the invader forces. That's right. <laughs> and they're still here flying around and they're, oh, snap. What happened? I, there you go. You're good. Uh, Dude, um, totally. Yeah. It's the cause it's it's what I call the Scientology cosmology. Nice. Right? It's like Cosm- Yeah. Sure. It's like it's like Hubbard's fucking invention of like how the universe Bro, he figured out how to enslave your mind. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting weird information is such a, a, a hook. It's such a hook. For sure, bro. You know? It's crazy, bro. I I can't even believe it sometimes, and that's not good, because, bro, like, it can put me into such psychosis, bro, just listening to that shit, bro. Yeah. Like, it really really can. I started thinking crazy. I've had times where I've gone into such psychosis, I thought I was Owen Hubbard, and that maybe I was just stuck in session, and someone was auditing me. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, I am glad that you are away from that now. For sure. Well, I take medication for it. Good. Good. For sure. But yeah. the thing is, is like, do you know how scary it was for me to have to talk to a psychiatrist and ask and say what the, these effects that were being, or that were uh, happening to me were real. And I was having like weird psychosis. That was hard because there was a part of me that also felt like I was really fully like ending my bridge forever you know, like, there's no going back now. I'm getting on psych drugs. And then that part of me is fighting against it, which is causing it even more, you know? Isn't but it crazy? I finally, it's, it's crazy going through that, but I yeah. finally came out on the other side. 
and I realized it's so much better this way for me, dude. The meds that they give me help me. You can even ask the people around me. You know, like I, I take care of myself and my my environment better when I'm on them. But you know, some see the thing is you don't have to know some know why something works in order for it to work. Correct. You know, and Scientology is very opposite that like ideology. <laughs> that's right. They want you to understand every little thing, and right. Yeah. It, well, that's the thing. But then the explanations they give you are bullshit. So it doesn't for really sure. make it make sense. For sure, for sure. For that's sure. the problem. I mean, if it was true, then we'd be like, okay, good. This is how it is, right? But it's not. Uh, it's not. It's it's provably sure. not. So it's just crazy making, you know, as you've unfortunately yeah. had to live through. Yeah, for sure. But now I uh, I don't let it bother me that much. And I just pretty much try to find out outlets like this uh, to, to get, get it off my, my head and off my chest. And also for the other person that's gone through it with me <laughs> in their, in their own way to, right. to see their standing of it. And that's something that like, not a lot of people I can, I can share that, you know, cause I'm sure you don't talk to ex-scientologists all the time. Do you? Not all the yeah, time. No. Sure, for sure. So like, and it's so far and few in between it's I, I can only like imagine it just like an animal being so cooped up in the house and then for like like a year it gets out for the first time they're like oh my god and they see another animal not that we're animals but you know what I mean totally <laughs> for sure totally so like, well you know uh, I'll tell you I'll share this with you you might get something out of it you know when I um first got out when I first 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 got out right when I went down uh this is back in 2013. Okay. Okay. That was the worst year and the best year of my life, both at the same time, right? Because it was the year I got out of Scientology, but it was also the year I lost everything. Right. Same. Right. Yeah. Fiance, friends, everything, all gone, right? Sucked. That year sucked. But it was great because it was the truth. I needed the truth and, and I found out the truth. But one of the things I did was um and i'm not at all suggesting you do this i'm just throwing i'm just letting you know how i dealt with this is after i got out there were two things that i needed to fix in my head right away and one of them was um scientology's attitude toward homosexuals toward lgbt because it's really fucked up because they're very homophobic right and sure, my, my brother's gay he went through that there you go and then the other thing, so I had to fix that. I had to actually go talk to some LGBT people and figure that. out that they're not all mentally ill, right? I had to do that too, though. Right? So yeah. so there's that. And then the other thing was I started researching and read some books on psychiatry. Right. And I knew and I had read all of the CCHR stuff. I watched all the DVDs. I watched all the documentaries. I read all their books. So I knew Scientology and what they were saying about psychiatry. And I thought psychiatry was evil and it must be destroyed, right? So I come out and I go, well, I've only heard Scientology's version of this. What else is there? And I read some other stuff on psychiatry and I found out, yeah, it's kind of fucked up. There's some really messed up stuff with psychiatry. But there's also help possible for people like you, people like my wife, you know, right. who is on antidepressants. And it, it, it's necessary for her day to day that she be on those medications. And she's a wonderful person, you know. 
and they help her. So I learned about that, and I went, okay, Scientology's taken this too damn far, like they do everything else, you know? Uh No, you said it, man. I feel the same way. I've said it so many times, you know, like, for sure. Yeah. So definitely both preaching to the choir for sure. Well, a little bit, you know, I just want to share because it's like this is the stuff we have to figure out when we get out. We got to get our heads straight. And it takes time and it's hard. You know, you had to do your thing. Because people don't expect you not being that far out of reality. They're just like, they don't expect that from you. And you're like, wait, what? I had someone call bullshit on me because I didn't know what patriarchy was. I never heard of patriarchy, the word. Yep. This dude was like, oh, bullshit. You know what that is. I was like, no, I fucking don't, dude. No. <laughs> it seemed like I do, but that's like how they taught me to operate in Scientology. That's right. Yeah. And, it, it, and in a way, it saved me in society because I have ways of figuring things out that aren't the same norm of what they teach out here. Mm-hmm. I know what you mean. Yeah, for sure. It's weird, bro. It's like. It's like I'm a I'm an alien or something, dude. <laughs> I I totally get it, man. I so know what you mean. I have felt the exact same way sometimes. Uh, it can be isolating yeah. for sure. It can. And uh, I think one of the main reasons I started just kind of creeping out of wanting to talk about it publicly is because I think it can isolate me because I I'll try to talk about it with someone else and they're always interested, but then it, it becomes too much for them. Yep to understand because there's so many aspects of it it's hard to car car compartmentalize compartmentalize yeah hard to figure out yeah yeah that word and figure everything out (laughs) yeah yeah dude why do you think i have okay check this out man i mean i know you see you and i have just met right like people don't know like shane and i we are we do not have history right until like last week we didn't even know each other and we sure. just messaged a bit and then got on this on this call. So I want to I want to, um, you know, so. So, yeah, sharing the experiences and stuff and, and talking about this can be really helpful, you know. For sure. um, but, yeah, people well, don't know. Like it's taken me like you don't necessarily know on my channel. I've taken I've made hundreds of videos about Scientology. Yeah, because that's how much it took for me to get it all out of my head. For sure. So that's, that's, I'm at the beginning of that right now with you right now. Right. Antonio. Yeah. Stuff with Tony's it's dragging out, but you know, it's not, it's my fault because it's so hard. It's like, where do I start? Exactly. Exactly, man. Well, here's a start. We have made a start today, you know, and maybe we'll do more of this. Maybe you'll do more with Tony. Maybe we'll see what happens with this. I want to do more. For sure. Yeah. There's just so much to cover, you know. I'll think more about things that that would be more interesting. Oh, or- don't don't worry about that. So you, all the things you have said today are very interesting. For sure. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. So don't think you have to dive into too the, much the worse. Right. Yeah. Don't worry about that. Okay. Um, okay. The thing that I want to do for you or help you with or whatever, you know, part of my, what I'm trying to do here is, yeah, I'm trying to expose Scientology and the abuses, but for, sure. for my own experience with this, however you want to tell your story, it's going to help you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, that's- and that's what we're trying to do with this too. So. 
Cool, man. Well, thanks for your time today. I really appreciate you taking the time to break yeah. all this down, man. Right back at you. I really appreciate it as well. It was nice to meet you. Yeah, uh, you, you too. Gotta, uh, it was a lot of fun.